0: today is all about looking back on a great season of the chosen i have to be the Welcome back to Gamer Loop Radio, everyone. Today, Neutron and myself are going to review this most recent season of Destiny 2, Season of the Chosen. What did we love? What have room for improvement? Was Guardian Games rigged? I, as a Titan, think so. But we'll go (laughs) ahead and get into it, starting with the story. So the story is broken up really into two big, big parts. So you have the main story. And then we have the Glycon. So the main story starts with Zavala and Osiris going to meet with Keitel, uh, who is the Empress of the Cabal at this point. And she is attempting to forge a truce between the Vanguard and the Cabal to fight the Darkness. She understands that without some kind of alliance that the Vanguard is going to lose because the Darkness have the Hive on their side, among many other things. Keitel asks... For Zavala to kneel, Zavala says no." thus battlegrounds, which is the primary activity uh, that the season is centered around. In and amongst the plot of the overall story, you have Crow working with Osiris to learn the true motives behind Kaidle's intentions. You have Saladin, who is revealed to be right now an incredibly bitter old man. Uh, He's particularly upset because he obviously was not around for the Red War. So he's just feeling a a big sense of violence and vengeance and wants to just destroy the Cabal, doesn't want to try to understand them, just wants to annihilate them. Throughout all of this, Crow uncovers a Cabal plot to assassinate Zavala. Crow found technology that can stun a Guardian's ghost before it has a chance to revive a dead Guardian, and he suspects that this was going to be used on Zavala to kill him. Crow keeps an eye on Zavala from the shadows, and during a moment when a scion infiltrates the tower, Zavala sees the scion due to Crow and kills it. He swears that he sees Uldren Sov, uh, who Crow formerly was, technically, Uh, but he brushes it off as a hallucination with a little bit of encouragement from Mycora, who, by the way, knew about Crow the whole time, but we'll get to that. Keitel advises she would never hire an assassin to kill Zavala, but would rather just do it herself. So Keitel challenges Zavala to one final battle, her champion against his. This is the newest strike introduced in Destiny 2, the Proving Grounds strike. After our guardians kill Keitel's champion, Zavala and Keitel meet to seal a truce. During this meeting, a rogue scion uses the technology mentioned earlier to stun Zavala's ghost and another rogue scion attempts to kill Zavala in front of Keitel. In Crow's attempt to stop the scion from stabbing Zavala, he gets knocked to the ground, and his mask is knocked off. Before the scion can stab Zavala, though, Keitel kills the scion, reassuring Zavala that this was not her doing. Zavala reaches down to give a hand to Crow, finally seeing his face for the first time, and while he's not pleased that Crow has kept a secret from him, he accepts that this is the new reality, and that ends really the story plot for the main story. So Jimmy, what did you think of all of that? <laughs> it's a lot. It was a lot to have happen when we haven't had as much from a story perspective, but it was, it was a lot.
1: What, what's really interesting is that there is a group, a scion group within the Cabal uh, empire that is basically planning stuff outside of, of, you know, Kaido's control. Because that that was definitely, and I think some of the lore mentions about it, and I can't remember the name of the group, um, but there is a scion group within the Empire that is making all these moves, and it's probably, I feel like it's probably talking to one of the the hive gods.
0: (laughs) I would agree with that, yeah, and I do remember reading that lore. There's a specific scion that was killed that I think this rogue faction operates in on behalf of basically.
1: The other cool thing is th- this uh, scion group basically took the idea and made it to a smaller scale of what. Um, ooh, Gary! Is it Gary? What was his actual name from the Red War?
0: Oh, uh, oh God, I don't remember.
1: Oh, this is gonna hurt me. Sorry, folks. I can't remember. We can't remember his name. But from the from the year one of Destiny two, they were basically trying to uh, trap the entire um, um, the traveler, right? To take the the uh, oh, power Gaul. from the sh- doll. There you go. you call go. him yeah. Gary? Gary. Yeah, that was his <laughs> nickname.
0: <laughs> oh, he's gonna be Gary forever now. Dominus Gary. That's that's the thing. I need <laughs> Gary the Snail now from SpongeBob in a in a Dominus armor outfit. Someone's got to make that happen. <laughs> okay.
1: So yeah, they took that idea of basically t- you know covering the entire traveler, but they did it small scale where it impacts only the ghost because really that's all you need in order to take out one of the guardians.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: And the other interesting thing about this story was how different Kaitel approaches, um, you know, coming out to seek for help. Obviously, she wants to for us to kneel uh, to kneel before her and, and join her empire. But I think she she recognizes our 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 power and and our place in the universe, and is is uh, looking intensely to figure out who who broke. Her promise because she's she's very fixed into tradition following the rules type of thing so that that was really interesting to see
0: agreed she is very fixed into tradition and she's very anti her father uh who i think at this point most people know was emperor Callus, which leads us into the other big story part of season of the chosen uh is the glycon mission so we discover a cabal ship stranded on the edge of space where Mars once was before it was taken by the darkness. Zavala receives a distress signal recovered from the EDZ sent by a hunter named Katabases. And I'm going off of my name is Bife's pronunciation of this person's name because that to me is canon and therefore that's how we're going to pronounce his name. So yes. as we traverse the ship, we find that it's infested with scorn. We fight our way through the, to the final room battling the scorn Boss, the Locus of Communion. And before we enter the final chamber to obtain the Dead Man's Tail exotic rifle, we find the body of Catabuses there. So each week, there are additional scannables and lore unlocked through the weekly completions, which is the Captain's Log lore book, which if you haven't read it, give it a read. It's incredibly good. But through all of this, and this is a little bit potentially a spoiler alert for some people, um, We learn that Callus is still alive and he's been trying to commune with the darkness using the crown of sorrow. And he's using scorn to try and fuel the communion with dark ether. So, this really piqued my interest because Callus has a desire to live forever. He wants to constantly just be immortalized. And this is just. It's almost a moment of weakness and desperation for him to say, "I'm gonna." The darkness is promising me this greatness. I'm going to commune with it using this incredibly dangerous method, and in reality, it I feel like it entirely backfires. And we never actually find Callus on the ship, um, but we do find the crown.
1: I'm pretty interested. I haven't done the the weekly sub myself, but I did follow Bive's video when he went and looked into this. So I think what we talked about before is all, this happens after we we take on, um, oh, what was that raid? Um, Crown of Sorrow raid. Um, right. One of the one of the Cabal, uh, minions that they created, puts on the crown. Oh, Galran. We, de- yeah, Galran. We defeat it, and then they went back and picked up that that crown. Hmm and looks like they hacked it somehow and now they're they're trying to 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 commune with the darkness and, and find a way to live forever.
0: It is the creepiest looking thing. I have not had a chance so I think I am 3 weeks yeah, 3 weeks behind. So I will in 3 weeks I'll be able to get into that room with the crown, but from the little bit that I saw it is incredibly creepy. I mean, you see that crown at the end of the raid, but then to see it like this is just it's so creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. But it's such a good well it's so well done. This is this is what I feel like Bungie, their bread and butter is little stuff like this. Because it's not truly little by any means, because it's so jam-packed with little bits here and there that the the overall scope of the story you're getting just from this one mission and being able to run it week over week gives you so much to look forward to and look into from a story perspective. Um, so what did you, so between the main story and the Glycon, so what did you, how did you feel about the overall story? How did you feel about the relationships that were forming between Crow and Osiris and and Zavala and, and then, you know, what's your reaction to Saladin?
1: And I think uh, I mentioned this before, but but once I knew Crow was coming back, I wanted to hurt him because of the obvious reasons that he, he killed Kate Six. Kate, uh, yeah, when he was back in um, you know the uh, Forsaken DLC. Um, but they did a great job of humanizing Crow, and you basically felt bad for the guy because he was being taken advantage by Spider, and then and, and you end up helping him, freeing him from 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 Spider, and now he's been basically elevated to be personal guardian, personal guard for Zavala. Like, he's so close to some of the people that we were afraid that he, you know, once he found out that he was going to hurt Crow, but but you realize how much, he, you know, folks realize that he's it's not the same person anymore. hmm exactly. Um, so they, I think they did a great job with that story um, I like the way that they use Osiris as as a way to uh, bring him in because Osiris was also considered a, not an outsider, but um,
0: an outcast kind of
1: an outcast. There you go. So he was showing him the ropes around the city and basically how, how to work with other guardians and, you know, saying, Hey, people are not ready to see who you really are. So just give it some time. Uh, show them who you really are, you know, behind a mask, and then once folks really realize, they'll know. Well, well really, he, he wasn't that bad at all.
0: Exactly right.
1: Um, with Saladin, he's a grumpy old man, isn't um, he? Though just so grumpy. He is the grumpiest, and I think I think you mentioned it before. Like he is hung, he is hungry for a fight. Uh, he he feels like I mean he was absent during the Red War, um, so I think he feels.
0: Um, a level of responsibility and almost kind of regret truthfully is kind of how I interpreted that he just wants I think he's just trying to make up for what he missed but this is not a straight up you know shock and awe campaign against the cabal this requires more diplomacy than I think he has the patience for at this point because to him an enemy is an enemy there is no difference whereas Zavala and Osiris recognize that there's something bigger going on here and that bigger thing really is the darkness and how we are navigating it, not just us but everyone else we've been interacting with, the Cabal, the Vex the Fallen everybody everybody is is it's like a chess game all the pieces are getting set up on the board and I think Zavala and Osiris see that Saladin just wants to flip the board over and throw it at the wall. He doesn't he doesn't <laughs> care. He doesn't care. He just he just assumes everybody's motives are the same. And it I found it kind of disappointing personally, but not surprising.
1: Yeah, especially with all his history, you know, all of his group, all the Iron Lords were basically taken back in um, you know, D1. So that the, he he uh he doesn't really trust folks cuz he knows what what is What's uh, the, the, the possibility of happening if you just let it, you know, if you take advantage of it, of the powers, and then it backfires on you. That's basically what happened. Uh, the, the other interesting thing with kind of combining Osiris and the Glycon is his plan is to take that crown of sorrows back to the city. Such a bad
0: a, plan. Awful plan. It's a
1: terrible idea.
0: Such a bad plan. And it shows desperation. On Osiris's part. I think that he it's hard to it's hard hard to elaborate on, but it shows that he became incredibly vulnerable when Segura died. And I think that he's desperate to either figure out a way to bring her back, which I don't think is possible at this point, or to just he wants to understand the the depth of what destroyed her so that he can destroy it and i think it's it's a little bit of vengeance it's desperation it's a lot of very very deep dark feelings and i feel bad for saint saint is trying to be there for him to comfort him osiris just does not want does not want any of that does not if you're not part of the mission if you're not part of the focus of figuring out how to beat the darkness Osiris doesn't want anything to do with you, and that includes Saint. And poor Saint is just, his heart is breaking because Osiris is just in this space right now where he doesn't want anything to do with anyone if it doesn't have to do with this one thing. And the crown just makes that 10 times worse.
1: Yeah, I'm worried that the crown is starting to speak to him.
0: (laughs) Well, and more and more now, I feel like the the one person who's going to end up getting corrupted by all of this is going to be him. So we'll have to see what happens. I feel like that's a few seasons from now.
1: Ooh. It's going to be very interesting.
0: I still stand by my Ikora theory. I, I, something's going to happen to her. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's going to be good. So,
1: Yeah, I, fe- I, I agree that someone and the good side is going to go
0: bad. So what would you so. say was your favorite story point? And then what were you the most surprised by with the Glycon mission itself? What did you find that you... Wow, this is, this is really awesome.
1: I would say the creepiness of the Glycon mission was probably what surprised me most out of Bungie. They have not done that at all, or I don't think they've done that in any of the previous missions or DLCs. Like, I felt, I felt scared. And I mentioned it before, I was playing at night, and, and my girlfriend Anna came and scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I like that. I want that more. I mean, after a few, a few runs and you turn down the music, it's not as scary anymore. But on the first, the first experience, oh my god, that was that, that was bravo. Bungie did a great job.
0: It was like Dead Space. That was the closest thing that I could find in comparison. And I don't think I've been that creeped out since the Dreadnought.
1: Ooh, yeah. It's
0: been a while. But yes, it's, the creep factor, I think, amplified the, the excellence of that mission. That was a lot of fun
1: and i think i think my favorite story point is still the glycon uh i was i was i was super curious since the trailer i don't know if there was like a, a half a second oh yeah that it showed it showed uh one of the enemies on the glycon and i was like is that a new type of enemy like what's going on over there super uh, and, and you yeah you just learned it was a scorn but oh my god i think i think everything around that mission um uh, was great and i'm excited to see i mean we're gonna get some 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 cool so cool new missions the next season a mm-hmm. uh, lot of lights a lot of neon yes it's gonna be a lot of futuristic stuff. i'm i'm pretty pumped for it
0: <laughs> destiny but make it tron yes so speaking of activities so this season brought a couple of new things mostly old things some new old things uh, it's a little bit of everything in between so the main activity that we ended up with uh for this season was the battlegrounds activity so this is a three guardian activity where you went through fought a bunch of enemies fought a time a damage gated champion at the end uh, this was tied into the uh, hammer of proving mechanic that went along with all the battlegrounds and this is how you got umbral Engram. so this was really the entire um function-centric activity for the season. So if it was all tied together and everything that you had to do every week. Um, I enjoyed it. I think it was it was fun. Um another three-man activity, but still I, I found it enjoyable. Um I found more enjoyable though, the old new stuff. So Bungie brought back Fallen Saber and Devil's Lair from the Destiny content vault uh for the Vanguard strikes and A brand new strike improving grounds which is excellent um we had the presage mission we of course had iron banner uh guardian games grandmaster nightfalls trials of osiris all the all the good stuff all the salty stuff all kind of mixed in together um (laughs) so from a season summary standpoint how much did you end up getting accomplished this season what was your favorite thing to do how far how did you feel you did from a seasonal content standpoint this season.
1: I think I was very active doing the battlegrounds. I enjoyed them. I got all of the, all of the, um, um, I don't know if it were tokens or key. Any, I got everything unlocked for battlegrounds. It was a great, it was a great way to kind of change up, uh, some of the activities, uh, between strikes and, and, you know, crucible and gambit. Um, I was really happy to, to get to check out the news, the old new strikes. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> You know, being able to go back to Devil's Lair—that's the first strike ever. You know, in Destiny, it was a great way. And and I think playing with Coop, shout out to Coop. This was his first—he never played Destiny One, so this was his first time to check out those those raids, and he loves them. So that that proves how how well of a great you know what a great job they did with those with those strikes from Destiny One.
0: I had a similar and, moment with my friend Red. Uh, So shout out to Red as well. Uh, Red had never played Destiny. So similar experience there. It's so nice to have those moments with your friends when they haven't played D1 and they bring D1 stuff back. And you're like, it's shiny and new to you. This is so exciting.
1: Yeah, I I like the in um, Devil's Lair, the main difference. Of course, you have some some champions throughout the mission. uh, But at the when you get to the spider tank, now you have the Briggs in there. Like that was a pretty nice addition and kind of, kind of uh, modernizes the strike, kind of bring it into current terms, you know. So that was really nice to see. I haven't run the Fallen Saber as much. I remember it had it was a little. It, somehow it was not on in the list, and they added it later on. But I haven't really run it too much. But it's a really fast strike. Like it, it's probably a good one to farm.
0: It is a very good one to farm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, of course. Every every season I feel like they knock it off the part with the whatever that's new secret mission. This 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 season was uh Versage. Uh last season it was um
0: the Hawkmoon. Oh,
1: the Hawkmoon mission. Yeah, so they're doing I I think they're putting their, their their money on these these seasonal missions. And they're I mean they're great. I think they're they're tying it to exotics, they're making it a reason for us to run it every week. Which I love, so that that I I want more of that. Iron Banner was Iron Banner. I didn't really <laughs> enjoy or do too much with Iron Banner. Mm, um, I
0: did as much as I was required to do.
1: <laughs> it's Iron Banner is really just to get the uh, pinnacle engrams at this point. Uh, they have mentioned in some twabs that they have plans for Iron Banner to tweak in it. So I'm I'll, I'll wait until they they actually show us something. Uh, Guardian games I. I thought I wasn't really gonna do too much, um, but hunters win, baby. Uh, yeah, I did my part. Yeah. I did my part. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, oh, I've I heard. I've heard. What, what was I know there was. I remember before Guardian Games, someone did math, and they said, Hey, if you if you're able to, you know, let the the hunters or the warlocks win, Titans can come back and and finish it off. But yeah, I think, and
0: then the Titans, you know didn't decide to look at the math and they didn't come back at all and then (laughs) then we lost so yeah
1: and I feel like someone like folks that were hunters they were like hey we just need so many wins let's help the warlocks win some so the titans don't get any and then once we know for sure then we'll go hard and get the the final win because I think at one point I saw like the warlocks could potentially tie this Mm -hmm. and how do you then who how do you decide who wins after that
0: right exactly it yeah
1: um there wasn't much, you know, too much exciting. You you were basically doing strikes and, and Gambit and, and PvP, doing bounties. Um, the only reason I was running the Guardian games was to get to Catalyst for Air Apparent. That was the only reason I did it. Like, I really didn't care much about who won. actually won.
0: <laughs> I'm with you there. I actually didn't have Air Apparent. I didn't get it during the last Guardian games. So that was, I think, day one, my focus at the time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I mean, I could take or leave this. It's here, I'm doing it while I'm doing other stuff, but I think that is a big area of improvement that Bungie could look into. I, Because it's just one of those things where I think in in theory, it's a great concept. It's just not very well executed in practice to make me want to do it more frequently. I compare it to like The Dawning, right? Or um, Festival of the Lost. I feel compelled to want to do that. I, I find it fun. I think that it's while it, it can be a little bit of a runaround. It is really an enjoyable time. Both of those activities are really enjoyable for me. Um, I think they need to put a little bit more at stake in Guardian games, give us some extra stuff to do. I, I did, though, like the fact that you could run strikes with two other Guardians that were the same class as you from that specific playlist.
1: To get a boost on laurels to yep. get the
0: boost on laurels, I did like that. I thought that was a nice nice touch um, i don't dislike it. I just think it needs a little bit more a little bit more of something um, from from a seasonal standpoint for me, I think this is probably i don't, i don't want to say this this is the sweatiest i've been ever, but <laughs> i I definitely feel like I got a lot accomplished um as it stands right now, I think there's 50 bounties sitting on my Titan and my Hunter, respectively, and 30-something sitting on my Warlock, ready for Tuesday. And I got a lot accomplished. I got a lot done. I, I managed to do my very first GM. Um, Got, you know, three out of the six done for the Conqueror requirements, so I was pretty excited about that. I just, I feel like... I feel it's nice because I feel like this season, while we had new stuff to do, there wasn't so much new stuff that I couldn't try to push myself from a content standpoint. So I got a lot accomplished and I feel pretty good about that. Um, Fallen Saber and Devil's Lair were wonderful nostalgia attacks for me. I love Fallen Saber. That is easily my favorite strike, but I am very much a Warmind Rasputin person. (laughs) Like that, that whole thing all of the story related to rasputin i is at the top of my list so i <laughs> i love the i love the comment that you get from your ghost about uh ballet fans and how there's so few left and you'd hate to lose rasputin as a result so it's that that one always made me laugh but i did i did like that they brought them back um proving grounds is challenging even as a regular strike i remember i mean i went into it and i went oh holy crap like this is this is kind of tough um it was even tougher as a GM. Uh, oh my god. Yes. You find you find your way around it, you find your way through it, you know, like it's not by like cheeses or anything, just you GMs are slow and steady wins the race. And you really have to go <laughs> kind of slow to get through proving grounds as a grandmaster, but I did get that one done so I feel good about that. Um I'm with you in that Iron Banner was Iron Banner just, you know, I did it when I had to. Didn't really want to do it for more than I had to. Um, Trials is kind of the same. I I went for a couple of the weapons, but I didn't go nuts, because I think Bungie has a lot planned for the state of PvP in general. So if anything, I'm going to kind of wait for that to get put into place and then see where everything lands. Um, Did you end up running any of the 12-man activities? And, and I no. I realized it wasn't limited to Nightfalls. It was basically anything that wasn't supposed to have 12 Guardians in it. You could. So did you end up doing any of that?
1: No, I did not. Uh, but I, I liked how they approached it. They didn't penalize anyone for it. But I hope that this means... And they notice that the community like that. So possibly some future activities that are 12-man. I mean, next season we're getting some, a match make for 6-man, so...
0: That is my hope as well. And I think it's funny you mentioned that because I I do think that, um, you know, I I think they obviously, the six-man activity that we have coming up in the next season, I think they had this planned before the whole thing with the 12-man glitch happened. But I had an absolute blast doing that. Um, I respect the fact that they fixed it before GMs because if they hadn't, people would have absolutely raged. Oh, yes. Myself included because that would just have been outrageous. but I do think that activities that are at least six people, if not more, would be really enjoyable, even if it wasn't for an extended amount of time, if it was more than six people. Because if you think about it, you can matchmaking for something that's six people, and like menagerie did, and you know, you're OK with matchmaking for six people over an extended amount of time. I think if it was anything more than six people over an extended amount of time, you'd have a lot of trouble finding that many people for an activity that's match made. Um, you know, after the first month or two that it was available. Or, you know, if it was something that was there beyond the first season that it was introduced, I think you'd have a harder time doing it. I think Menagerie was relevant because all the weapons were still relevant. Um, but I think if you did anything like that, it would have to be something that was maybe only around for an, a very short amount of time and then taken away. But they're on purpose rather than by accident. Yeah. I am hoping that that happens more frequently, though.
1: Yeah. I also did some some GMs. I think I only completed one out of the six, but this is the first time I actually completed one. Hey, and what there you I go. Like, what I like about next season is that we don't have to chase, you know, get to powerful cap and then pinnacle cap. I can go straight in, so... I should be ready on day one once GMs are, are launched. Yep. So same same here. I, I, I will like that. I I will be able to, to participate on, on day one instead of, you know, a month later.
0: <laughs> I'm really kinda hoping Lake of Shadows gets thrown in there as a GM because oh man, that's gonna be I could oh, we could do that with our eyes closed. It's gonna be so good. Um but yeah, and that's awesome. And I Grandmaster Nightfalls are so interesting to me because it just adds a level of difficulty to stuff. That is very, very methodical. You have to really kind of think out and plan what you're doing. And I thought it was really ni- It was a nice experience. It was really, really good this season. So moving into the seasonal mods and exotic armor, which, you know, of course you have to have a fair amount of if you're doing all this stuff that we do. So starting with the exotic, so the Titan Hunter and Warlock each got one new piece of exotic gear. Last season we had two, Uh, now we have just this next one. So the Titans got the Curus of the Fallen Star, uh, which greatly increases your Thundercrash impact damage and you gain an overshield that lasts longer the further you travel before striking a target. Hunters got the Omni-Oculus, which uh, you gain a second smoke bomb charge and have damage resistance when invisible. And then when you make an ally invisible, they gain damage resistance while invisible and you gain melee damage. And then the Warlocks got the Mantle of Battle Harmony. Takedowns with weapons that have a damage type matching your subclass element grant you super energy. When your super energy is full, you gain a temporary bonus to weapon damage of the type matching your subclass element. I got all three um, because I'm a collector and that's I have to do that whether I'm going to use it or not. It's just it has to have a place on the shelf. I love the Titan Exotic. I had so, so much fun messing around with that. Um, It's now become the go-to for Atrax in DSE, uh, (laughs) where I just thundercrash into him. And if you have, I think, at least one other Titan, and then you have someone down there with Stasis, uh, and you kind of damage yourself a little bit using one of the seasonal artifact mods that I'll go over in a second... Um, you end up doing just a stupid amount of damage to him, but it 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 generates a, a gigantic amount of damage and it's just it's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, I got to play around with the Omni Oculus as well. If you are the type of person to have a build for that, which I have a couple hunter friends who are, it is so cool. Um, I am not dexterous enough to know when I should be using the smoke bomb and not I'm trying to learn, trying to be better hunter. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And then the ma- the mantle of battle harmony. I have a couple, but I did not get a chance to use it. Although, again, Coop, shout out to Coop, has a mantle of battle harmony build that he used when we ran presage, and it it's great. It does a heck of a lot of damage. It's Awesome.
1: I also got all three, but I got them last week. <laughs> it was like I realized that I did not get them at all, and I made I made a build with the Omni Oculus. I love it. I. I was doing, you know, uh, farming with with uh, VB and Coop on on some of the GMs, and we were basic. I was basically throwing smoke bombs at them, and I got my grenade energy like you know energy back. And so I every every two smoke bombs, I get another grenade. Chunk the grenade, two more smoke bombs. But it's it's such a fun build, and I think uh, what the challenge is going to be is how do how do I take advantage of that? Like in PVP, it's easier to do it in PVE. Um, but i'll see hopefully the like next season you know seasonal uh uh mod that benefits void will be great because uh that would even make that build even better but i yeah i didn't ch- try i didn't try the other ones but i you know the one for the titan is great the one that i'm interested in, in making a build for is that warlock uh there's a lot of a lot of uh i saw builds out there using like thresh you know that way you you always have energy you know, uh, super energy being recharged at all times. So I think I think that's going to be great.
0: I agree completely. So getting into then the seasonal artifact. So I thought they made some interesting choices with the various barrier overload and unstoppable mods. Um, So kind of noteworthy choices in there that really I had to reset my artifact more often than I think I ever have as a result of these. So you had anti-barrier sniper, overload sword. You had surge detonator, which was an arc overload grenade, and then you have overload bow. Um, overload bow. I actually did not think was going to be as effective as it was. It was really great. Uh, mainly used, you know, for nightfalls and GMs. Um, I'll say I I there were a couple of them I didn't use, but we'll we can talk about that. But um, in terms of the fourth and fifth column. Which were really the most interesting. So, you had Resonance Siphon, which was gaining stasis ability energy whenever you or a member of your t- fire team stuns a champion. Again, great for GMs. Focusing Lens, so your light abilities do bonus damage to combatants affected by stasis. Glacial Inheritance, defeating targets with your stasis super refunds super energy. Sundering Glare, rapid precision hits against distant combatants weaken them for a short duration. Uh, and volatile conduction grant's bonus arc damage super I'm sorry, grant's bonus arc super damage if cast while critically wounded and lasts until the end of the super activation. I personally loved anti-barrier sniper, struggled with it at the beginning of the season. It is now my go-to for anti-barrier, so I will be sad to see that go. Um again, overload bow interesting choice, but I did enjoy it. Didn't bother with overload sword at all didn't find a need for it, didn't feel like I absolutely had to have it. I, something at the beginning of the season I thought I was going to use, didn't ever use. And then Surge Detonator was helpful, helpful for the Lost Sectors, but um, you know, overall not necessarily something I needed to, to use all the time. And then really, I found that all of the fourth and fifth column mods were really centered around Stasis and Arc and it's very it's a very hopeful sign that maybe next season we will get uh oppressive darkness which is the the void mod that we miss so much um but i really i enjoyed using resonance siphon and focusing lens glacial inheritance primarily on my uh hunter i found a lot of these to be very very hunter forward and then uh volatile conduction i did use i tried to use it uh but ended up just I damaged myself too much and never actually got to use my super. So it didn't really work um, for me, but I I know there were several people who were successful with it. Overall, though, a really, really great set of mods uh, for this season. So what did you you end up finding most useful? What did you think that you weren't going to use that you ended up using? And what did you think you were going to use a lot that you never ended up using?
1: So the ones that I use the most are... Uh, Glacial Inheritance and Sundering Glare. Uh, Sundering Glare was really good for for raid damage, you know, damaging bosses in the raids. Um, so that was really good. Combining that, and I was running Stasis builds all season, so I, I definitely used the Glacial Inheritance mod on my Hunter. The one that I I wanted to do more, but I just I mostly focused on my Hunter was the Volatile Conduction. I wanted to run a a Warlock Arc build, but I didn't really get a chance to do that. Um, and of course, you know, the Titans had that, that mod is perfect for the Titans and Thunder <laughs> crash.
0: It's so true. <laughs> if we don't damage ourselves to the point of, you know, meeting a res, it actually works very well. Um, but yeah, it, that one. And I, I, what my friend earlier that I mentioned read, uh, she made a volatile conduction build with her arc warlock and it definitely was volatile. Um, but it was. It was very good. The mod choices overall I thought were very interesting. I like how they're kind of cycling through, but including the stasis too. So I thought that was really neat.
1: The one I wish I did a little bit more was that focusing lens one, because it that one you have to coordinate with your fire team. Because you you have to say, Hey, I'm gonna run this, uh, stasis build, you run lights, and, and that way we all boost each other. So
0: Agreed. You know, oh. and honestly, where I found that the most useful, and I will admit, I have a problem. Uh, Gambit. So oh. we would run one Stasis Hunter, one Arc Warlock on Chaos Reach, one Thundercrash Titan, and then the fourth could really be anything. I think we ran a Tether Hunter, and if you you know time it right, where one hunter tethers the other hunter throws stasis, the arc, warlock, and titan use their supers at the same time. You probably only have to tap the primeval one or two times before it's dead.
1: That sounds disgusting. It is.
0: It is. It's so disgusting. And this is this is that moment. As I'm reading this, as I'm looking at at my notes, and I'm saying this out loud. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sweaty. This is my life. I've I've I have become the thing that I swear at when I when I play. <laughs> come to the dark side. We have cookies and dark chocolate moats. Ooh, yummy. So, really kind of to look at the big focus of, you know, of course, what we're all chasing after, which I did find was a very nice thing to be able to chase this season was the weapons. Um, All told, we got 27 new weapons uh, that were, you know, legendary or above we we got some really nice seasonal weapons uh the nightfall weapons so the shadow price ar the palindrome hand cannon and the swarm lmg a whole list of adept mods which i thought was again a really really nice addition um those are available for the adept versions of the nightfall weapons and the adept version of the trials weapons that were released this season um in trials, you know, we got the messenger, the igneous hammer, and Solus scar. Iron Banner. We got a little, a little bit of new stuff, mostly the same stuff. And I just sort of looked at that, go me, and then I moved on. Um, and then the biggest thing was the ritual playlist weapons. So we got, you know, te- the majority of those new weapons in this category, you know, or the total came from this particular category. There were a bunch of new. Scouts and sidearms and fusion rifles, uh really couple of nice rocket launchers. Everything was really, really great. I I think there were a few weapons that I didn't particularly care for, but overall, a really nice selection. And then of course we got Dead Man's Tale, uh, and Tiku's divination as the exotics this season, which I have more Dead Man's Tale rifles than I care to know about, but they're all great. I don't think I'm gonna get rid of any of them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm gonna keep them all. But um, what what surprised you about the weapons? What were what did you find that you were enjoying more than you thought? Was there anything in particular that you were like, I have to have this one and this role in this this weapon?
1: I really like I, I I've always been a fan of SMGs, so when when I got at my hands on the seasonal uh, SMG, the extraordinary rendition, I was uh, that was really fun to use early on. Um, I I love that they added you know, um, adept weapons for nightfalls. Uh, so I was able to, I was able to get uh, adept weapons for, for palindrome and for swarm. I didn't get God rolls on it, but I got some good, good combinations that I'll probably use. And and once they come back, I'll I'll keep farming them. Um, I haven't really added any of the adept mods, but I think I had, I got like a third of the list. So that's a good addition. Um, for those that are able to, you know, take on that challenge. Um, for trials of for trials of Osiris, I only got the the Ignis Hammer, the hand cannon. Um, but I I don't really like it. I know it's a two tapping. <laughs> I just can't get used to it. I personally love how Palindrome feels, and even uh, Bottom Dollar just the feel of those guns you know base it feels a lot more comfortable than the igneous hammer and I don't I can't recall you know you know uh, rpms on these uh, or whatever that is uh, I don't know the difference I can't you know but they just feel nice nicer to me uh, I think I just I don't know if that means I need to practice with igneous hammer but <laughs> I'm just not good
0: <laughs> I'm with you though on the on the way that it feels you know I so I I actually got a pretty decent igneous hammer I would say that you really have to be accurate with it in order for it to be effective because it will two-tap if you hit someone in the head, but you have to hit them in the head. You can't body them and then hit them in the head. It it, it You have to be able to be accurate with it in order for it to be effective. Um, but I'm with you in that I would much prefer the palindrome or the bottom dollar, but I also PvE primarily. I am not primarily a PvP person, so if I have to use the ignis hammer, I will, but I typically... I keep it for when I'm I'm in a spot where I have to do PvP, so I definitely am with you there.
1: And I like you mentioned ritual playlist weapons, there's a reason now for you to farm or just stay in the in the, you know, strikes playlist or PvP playlist or crucible. There's now weapons that drop exclusively in those areas, and they're actually really good. I I enjoy I enjoy my bottom dollar. I uh, I got Frozen Orbit. That's a really good royal entry is a good addition. So I think them adding this... And I think they've already mentioned for the next season... They're adding more weapons to these uh, ritual playlists.
0: Yeah, they are. They, and they look super, super cool. And I'm with you. It's nice to have new weapons to chase after... That aren't tied to something that's going away. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the sidearm... And then the auto-rifle, the steel feather repeater from... Oh, I missed that gun. Right? From the sundial. And it's like, you know, you wanted to run the sundial... To farm for these weapons... But then the Sundial went away. And the fact that they're they are they're basically replenishing the Ritual Playlist loop pool with all of this stuff, but they're good weapons. And so that, that makes me very excited. I'm with you in that. I, I have a handful of everything. I didn't get the roll on the Royal Entry I wanted, um, which is, I think, the timed payload one. Um, but I, le- I, I really enjoy a lot of these. I actually have been using the Eternal blazon during GMs as my second scout rifle. So I've just been running double anti barrier and I love it. It's so much fun. And then I
1: guess finally the exotics. I I, I love Dead Man's Tale. I, you know, that that scout rifle. I've always i have been a scout rifle fan since Destiny One. Um, and I'm I'm thankful that they are actually, you know, buffing these weapons a lot more and making them useful in in Destiny two. I think year one, year two were it was just rough if you if you liked scouts.
0: I remember that, yeah. And I, I agree, I Dead Man's Tale with the Catalyst too is just absolutely nasty, but it's it's really really great. Both of them, both really really great choices for the weapons for the exotics for the season. So, looking to the future, what did you like the most, and what did you think could have been improved?
1: So I liked the story, the lore in in this season. I think we've mentioned before it's probably been the the best uh lore that we've gotten in a season um what i wish would have been available is i i I get it you you get they're trying to push you to repeat the content weekly for you to go back on it but say i i missed a week what if i wanted to run that activity twice so i can catch up on lore entries instead of having to wait an actually two weeks in order for me to get that I think that would be a nice addition, kind of how it it feels like the seasonal challenges you don't have to uh like if you miss it the first week and you can still go complete it later like if they applied that across more activities uh I, I think that would be a, a, a good addition uh to destiny
0: i agree i and I'm with you i think the story uh mainly the the glycon, but the story in general uh was really kind of the highlight for me i I am a sucker for a story, and the bungee, the Destiny story has pulled me in, you know, always. But this, I think, was a really, really great addition. Or really, you can tell that they're building on something really, really big getting ready to happen. So I I think that, for me, that was probably one of the best parts of this season. Um, I'm with you in that. I really would have preferred the way that you unlock the lore for the Glycon to be a little bit more linear, in that if you missed a week you could do you know two weeks at once. Um, I didn't really like the fact that you had to run it once to get the Captain's Log lore entry and then run it again for the Smuggler's Compartment, because for me it made it difficult to tell where I was in terms of what I had collected so far. Um, so I think they probably could have made that a little bit more linear. The other thing that I wish they kind of would have done, and this isn't necessarily specific to the season, but specific to as they move through new content in general, they need to do a really big bug fix sweep on all of the stuff that's been around for a while. Um, Garden of Salvation, Prophecy Dungeon, things like that. Because I feel like what I don't want to happen, and this is my main concern, what I don't want to happen is I don't want the Glycon to get so buggy that I don't want to run it. And I feel like... I really enjoy Prophecy Dungeon or I did and now because it's so buggy I don't want to run it anymore unless I have to. Um so I just I kind of hope they take some time to do a really big sweep of everything. Uh give it a nice little polish, give it a, a fresh shake out all the cobwebs type type feel and and try to get into that a little bit. But overall I think it was a really well done season. I was very very happy. So really now we are on kind of the precipice of the newest season it comes out on tuesday um i'm so excited i don't think i've been i i'm sure that i've been this excited before but this is the most excited i've been in recent memory for a new season for bungie i think beyond light was the last time i was just like yelling out into the void because i was so excited um what did you see that you're looking forward to, other than, of course, Vault of Glass? Because frickin' Vault of Glass, is so good.
1: Um, Vault of Glass. That <laughs> just,
0: just just Vault of Glass. Just that's it. This is the Vault of Glass. No,
1: no. I think I think uh, it has to go back to the the lore, the story. Uh, you are getting Mithrax. This has been a a fallen that you helped uh throughout the story in Destiny Two. Um and then he helps you in an in additional missions. And he's like leveling up each time you see him. Like now he looks super cool, you know? So he got some upgrades. Um, so he's basically, he is trying to get closer to the light, to the traveler. So he is helping guardians out. And of course, everyone's excited about the fallen babies. Like, come on.
0: <laughs> I can't express how much I, I, I experience such joy with stuff like this when Bungie makes these things into small details in their art. And I, I know that they do it on purpose because the reaction to the small that I am, that's how I'm referring to them. um, It's just, it was so great to watch the community be like, yeah, okay, Vogue, but fallen babies though. And then they're like, Hey, we're going to make a plush. And I looked at it and yep. I went, Bungie, if you charge $50 for this, I'm going to have a really hard time. Not spending no. fifty dollars on this. <laughs> Please don't make it fifty dollars. You're probably gonna get my money anyway. But yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think, like I said, I feel like we're getting to the point where we're setting up all the chess pieces on a chessboard before the the chess match actually begins. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at now with where you know we're in a very kind of truce like state with the cabal. I feel like we're getting there now with the fallen. Before everything kind of blows up, so it's it's going to be very interesting to see.
1: I wonder if it's going to be. I wonder if it's going to be like we have Cabal kind of ish on our side. Let's get the falling on our side, because really the enemy it's it's going to be the Hive, because that's that's where we have the two, um, you know, two of the remaining sisters that are ready to try, you know, take us take us on. So that'll be really, really interesting to see how that plays out. And the other thing, I, I, uh, they showed tons of new weapons. So excited to see what new perks they're gonna uh, uh, show us. Because that's one of the things. Like for this season, we got frenzy. That was pretty neat. Pretty neat perk on on weapons. So I'm curious to see what new perks we get. Um, what new exotics we're getting. I mean, we're getting a new sidearm that has stasis. So that is pretty interesting. So we're getting more stasis weapons. I think there was, I don't know if you remember, there's one, um, perk on weapons that it, it changes based on your subclass. No, it, it's like elemental capacitor or oh, something yep, like that. Yep. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. So now they're, I was wondering when are they going to include stasis into that? Well, next season we're getting that. And I forget, I think, I forget what it, it will do if you're using a stasis, maybe like handling it, it, you, it boosts one of your, you know, your basic, uh stats on 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 weapons yeah
0: i'm looking forward to that too plus all of the weapons from vault of glass i i'm i'm almost positive that the exotic is going to be vex mythoclast if it's not i will be shocked but i i'm so excited for vault of glass i think it's going to be great
1: do you think they're going to nerf it again
0: (laughs) oh i mean with all the talk of what they're doing with fusion rifles and linear fusion rifles too, I don't know. I think that it might end up being really strong. Is it going to be something I, you know, sub in instead of Anarchy or Xeno? That has yet to be seen, but we'll find out in two days. Well, technically in like two weeks for Vault of Glass, but overall for the season in two days.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready.
0: Me too. Well, that does it for our destiny podcast before the next season the season of the splicer debuts on may 11 2021 if you liked today's episode don't forget to leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcasting platform we would love to hear from you and feel free to email us ask us questions tell us what you liked or what can be improved do you have any suggestions on topics or game reviews just give us a shout You can find additional episodes of Gamer Loop Radio on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to our podcast.